So we're in the series called Restart. Everybody doing good today? All right, great, great. Good to see you. Glad that you are uh, here today. Let me encourage you, if you don't normally follow along on the YouVersion app, the Welcome Home uh, card that you got when you came in uh, tells you how to get there. Today would be a great day to follow along. We don't have the points in the Scripture on the screen today, but it's all in YouVersion, and I've got a couple of other additional suggestions in the YouVersion outline that I'm going to reference. So, if you haven't been following along that, that way, this would be a great day to start doing that. We are in the series called Restart. As we begin 2019, we're talking about areas of our life that could use, uh, well, a, a restart, a, a fresh start. Of course, all this week, many of you have sent me pictures and text and messages and memes of restarting that you found this week. I appreciate all of that. My daughter sent me some of that uh, this week. Of course, this is the week that I, I went to, to uh, shut down my computer and I got that lovely message. And I had three options, update and restart, update and shut down. And the third option was sleep. And I thought, that's the, that's the right option for me. <laughs> then I realized it wasn't talking about me, it was talking about the computer. Uh, those are kind of the same options we have in 2019. When it comes to areas of our lives that that needs some attention. We can update and shut down, really not get anywhere. We can sleep on it, and we can just ignore it, or we can update and restart. Often a part of restarting is updating. It's changing something. It's trying something new. Not running the same program this year that we ran last year. Because if you just restart 2019 and you do it exactly the way you did 2018, then guess how 2019 is going to end? The same way 2018 ended. So, yeah, there are things we need to restart, but a part of that restarting is, I need to update. I, I need to do something different. I need to try something that I haven't tried. We, we talked last week about just in general restarting spiritually, asking God to give us a a fresh awakening in our spiritual life, to, to wake our hearts up a little bit more spiritually, to revive our hearts in 2019. And much of that work, admittedly, is the work of God's Spirit. We make ourselves available. We cry out, as we talked last week, for God to do a new work. But much of that work is the work of His Spirit happening in us. And, and yet, there are some areas where we need to make adjustments, where we need to make some changes. So today, we're, we're going to talk about restarting biblically in our lives, restarting a commitment, a passion, maybe some disciplines, some habits, when it comes to getting God's Word in our lives, when it comes to renewing our love for the Word of God, our commitment to the Word of God, our belief that we need God's Word in our life. So some of us are, are new to church and religion, and, and we're still thinking about faith. Some of us have been in church years and years and years and years, uh, maybe even all of our life, and yet we, we never reach a point spiritually where we no longer need God's Word. It is the fountain in many ways of what guides and drives our spiritual lives. So I, I, I want to talk about that 
uh, today. We're going to be in Psalm 119. We were in Psalm last week. It's in the middle of your Bible, if you have a physical Bible with you. If you let it open to the middle, it's probably going to open in Psalm. Psalm 119, some trivia you can use to uh, impress your friends when you go to the, all the Bible parties that you go to. You can pull this out. Uh, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It goes on and on for, forever. And it's arranged in a specific way. My Bible, yours is probably similar. Uh, after it says Psalm 119 at the beginning of the chapter, there's the word Aleph. And you go down eight verses, and there's another subdivision, and it's the word bet. And then about another eight verses, the word gimel, the word dalet, the word hey. That is actually the Hebrew alphabet in order, from beginning to end, aleph, bet, gimel, dalet, hey, and on and on and on. Psalm 119 is arranged as an acrostic. Now, acrostics don't work well when you translate them from one language to another language. Everything doesn't line up. But in Hebrew, the way this was originally written, all of those first eight verses, they would have been stanzas originally, they all begin with the Hebrew letter of the alphabet, Aleph, every single stanza. And then the next section all begins with the letter Bet, and then the next section all begins with the, the letter Gimel. So a poetic way of arranging his thoughts, reminding us of the importance of God's Word. We're going to be in the noon section, N-U-N is the Hebrew letter. We're going to be in that section in verse 105, that's our main verse for the day. But we're going to grab some other verses from this particular section. Here's what the psalmist said. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Psalm 119 has one basic theme. As long as it is, it has one basic theme. We need God's word. Over and over again. And and the, the writer uses different words for God's Word. Sometimes he uses words, sometimes he says laws, sometimes he uses uh, decrees or precepts or statutes. He grabs a lot of different words, but his message is the same. God, we need your words in our life. We need Scripture in our life. And all of those words, precepts, statutes, statutes, laws, word. All of those are his ways of conveying the weight and the value of God's word. These are the words that God has given us. Therefore, they are important. These are laws that if you allow them will set spiritual boundaries in your life that will most help you flourish and be healthy emotionally, spiritually in your relationships. These laws give boundaries. These are the decrees. Like God is serious. This is important. You need to pay attention. These are the precepts that you can build your life on. They really can sustain the weight of your life. So as we're launching into 2019, we're trying to restart some areas. Let's restart our conviction that the Word of God really is weighty and valuable. It really is something we need in our life, not just on a random Sunday when we come or or each Sunday we get a little more of God's Word. It is so important. It is so weighty. It is so valuable that you and I individually need to be putting God's Word into our life every day. Some way we need to put God's Word into our heart, 
and into our mind. Now, in, in verse 105 that we read, the psalmist compares God's Word to lamps and lights. And, and what do lamps and lights do? Lamps and lights illuminate and clarify. Like They help us see and they help us see clearly. It's only in the light that we see things clearly. Even in a familiar environment, darkness can be disorienting, can it? Even in an environment you're used to, if it were completely dark, it would change your sense of orientation. You managed to get into this room with no problems. You saw a seat that was available, and you went right to it. You didn't bump into anybody, hopefully. Hopefully you apologized if you did. You, you didn't trip over a chair, hopefully, unless you're really clumsy. And if you're really clumsy, that's okay. We love you, for, even though you're really clumsy. But most of you probably didn't trip over a chair. You didn't spill any coffee, hopefully. Right? You, you just went right there. You sat down. You put your stuff down. You had no problems. If we turned all of the lights out, right now and told you you all had to leave the building, it would be a little more challenging, wouldn't it? I mean, you would be a little more disoriented, and it is doubtful you would get out of this room without bumping into somebody or tripping over something or spilling a lot of coffee. Darkness, even in familiar environments, is disorienting. Think about your home. We We've all gotten up in the middle of the night when all the lights were out. We've all had the power go out. And in the home where we live every single day, some of us for years and years, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, we've been in the same house. And yet, when that familiar house is in complete darkness, it's disorienting, isn't it? You can picture the layout of the house in your mind, but still you're not sure you're walking in the right direction because it's dark. Still, you're not sure how many steps it actually was to the door or to the bed or to the bathroom. And so when we're in the dark, we tend to kind of inch along, don't we? And we're kind of reaching. We're hoping to find something to orient us to the room that we're in, the home that we're in, even though it's very familiar. We need something to orient. Okay, I'm, a, I'm at the wall now, and I'm going to move down the wall Life is like that. <clears throat> when we don't have the orientation of truth, we don't have the, the orientation of God's Word to our life, to, to orient us to the world, to orient us to issues, to orient us to decisions, then we're left to reach for other things to try to give us an orientation to make decisions. And when we're not in God's Word, when we, when we don't value God's Word, then we're going to reach for our opinions, which God gave us a mind. We're smart people. We have brains. I don't know about you. I won't speak for you. My opinion's been wrong sometimes. And if I am always orienting my life and my, my perspective to my opinions, there's going to be times I'm going to bump into a wall. Or... We're reaching for the opinions of our peers, the opinions of, of our friends, because we need something to orient us to the room we're in, to the world that we're in, to the decisions that we're trying to make. Or we're listening to famous people, right? Well, that person's famous and they think this, so I'm going to let that orient my perspective 
or we're listening to politicians, which I encourage you not to when it comes to orienting your life. We're, we're, we're listening to famous politicians, and we're saying, okay, well, they think that. My party thinks this about that issue, so that's going to orient the way I see it. Or we're, we're listening to social media. I'm going to orient my opinion. I'm going to direct my perspective based on this noise that I'm hearing. That's what happens when you live in the dark. You have to reach for something, whether it's trustworthy or not, to give you an orientation to your life, to the world around us, to the issues and decisions that are before us. The writer of, the, uh, of Psalm 119 says, you need to orient your life around the light of God because it will clarify for you. It will illuminate obstacles. It will illuminate paths. It will illuminate perspectives for you. Because living in the dark is always disorienting. If, if you're around my age, you are grateful to God that we live in the time of phones that have flashlights on them, aren't you? Aren't you? What a, what a glorious time to be alive. That, because, this is my experience, I'm sure it's not your experience, my experience is restaurant lighting has gotten dimmer the older that I've got. I don't know who decided that, but through my 30s it was fine, and, and then suddenly in my 40s it's like restaurants got really dim. And, and maybe you've had this experience, there's even some restaurants that about 5.30... It's already dim, and then they decide to set the mood for dinner. So about 5.30, the lighting gets cut in half. It goes from dim to almost blackout. And then you have a menu that you're supposed to read in the blackout of dinner time, which okay, I'm thankful to God that I live in a time of phone flashlight. I just pull my flashlight out. I'm not even embarrassed anymore. I don't, know, I don't even worry about what people think anymore. Just pull my flashlight out. I want that steak right there. Give me that. Right? That's the thing about living in the dark. You don't see clearly. Thousands of years ago, there was this poetry writer. He's, he's working out this acrostic. This beautiful, creative poem about God's Word. And part of that, he says, look, there is clarity that you're going to get when you know God's Word for yourself. Right? It's good to hear it from a teacher. It's good to hear it from a pastor. It's good to worship together. It's good to do studies together. But you, on a daily basis, need the light and the clarity and the illumination that only comes from God's Word. Now, what does it clarify? A couple of things. It clarifies what God is like. God's Word clarifies what God is really like. We all have a tendency to create God in our image. We, we attribute our perspectives to God. Well, I think this way. This must be the way God thinks. This makes sense to me. This must be the way God thinks about it. I feel this way. God must feel this way. And we're created in His image. We have in us many of His characteristics. 
But that doesn't mean that just because I think something, it's what God thinks. That's why we need the light of God's Word to shine, to illuminate, to clarify. No, this is how God really sees that issue. No, this is how God really views that principle. This is what God really desires from our life. This is what His nature is really like, not defined by me, not defined by somebody else in the world, defined by His Word. It clarifies what God is really like. That's why I need to keep learning. I need to keep reading. Because I get forgetful, and my tendency is always going to be to define God by what I think. The psalmist said, no, there's a light that will shine clearly. The Word of God is the clearest revelation of God that we have. And you may not have thought about that. You may, you may not like that. But the clearest revelation of what God is like is not my opinion or your opinion or anybody else's opinion. It's His Word. Now, we have God's Spirit that reveals things to us. That's true. Romans 1 says we can learn some things about God just by observing nature. Like we, can, we can know that He's a creative God. He's a powerful God. Look at the world that He created. We can know that He's a God that values beauty. Look at the things that He created. We can know that He's a God who values order because life is ordered. But the clearest description and revelation of God is not out there in the world somewhere, and it's not in here in my thoughts and in my heart. It's in His Word. That's why God gives us 66 books to say, this is what I'm like. Know me. Understand God through His Word because it's the clearest revelation. The, The Scripture clarifies what God is like. The Scriptures also clarify what I'm like. Because I'm not always good at my assessment of me either. The Scripture reminds me who I am and what I'm like. This is over in the New Testament in a book called Hebrews. We read, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, when I come to God's Word humbly then it's going to shine a light on what's really going on inside of me. It's going to shine a light on motives, thoughts, perspectives. What about my life is pleasing to God? What about my life is not pleasing to God? Because I can overestimate me. I can overestimate my goodness. I can overestimate my my motives. And you can too. Not only does it clarify the parts of me that, are, that need help, it also clarifies how God sees me. It, it clarifies that even with all of that, I'm forgiven by God, I'm loved by God. His grace covers all of my mistakes and all of my sins. I'm His child. I'm always going to be loved by Him. I'm never going to be separated from His love. The Bible tells me that. I'm never going to be separated from His love. So it reminds me of God's great love for me, and it shows clearly the areas that I need to work on, that I need to let God work in me. Clarifies what God's like, clarifies what I'm like. The other thing, and specifically what the psalmist says, is that God's Word clarifies my way. It it clarifies my direction. He says... 
God's Word is a lamp for my feet, so I don't trip over things, so I don't run into obstacles. And it's a light for my path, so it's shining out in front of me. It's helping me move in the direction that God desires for my life. It's helping me make decisions. It's helping me know what pleases God, what honors God, how my life can be lived for God. I'm not suggesting every specific decision you make in 2019, there's a verse for that. The the address for the next home you're supposed to move to is not in the Bible. You're not going to find it. There's not a picture of the person you're supposed to marry in the Bible. It's not that sort of shining a light, but it is giving wisdom. It is giving God's perspective. It is helping me know how to go about making the decisions that I have in my life. And he calls God's Word a lamp. And a light, if you think about it, you need a lamp at night and a light shines during the day. So part of what he's saying is anytime you need light from God's Word, it's going to be there. Whether you're walking through a dark period of your life, whether you feel like you're going through a great period of your life, there's never a season of your life, a time of your life, when we don't need God's Word and where God's Word is not available. It's shining at night. It's shining during the day. C.S. Lewis wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And we could say that about the Bible. Yes, it illumines God. It, It helps me to see clearly, but it also helps me to interpret everything else. It helps me to interpret decisions and perspectives and opinions and issues, and, and this is part of the tragedy of being in the dark, is that I don't have the light of God's Word and God's wisdom giving me direction. Now, how do we do that? How do we start to get God's Word in our life? Here, here's the first thing I would say. When, when it comes to reading and knowing God's Word, the how comes before the what. The how comes before the what. And what I mean is, how we approach God's Word is first, and then the specific practical what's, what do we do, comes second. Coming to God's Word with the right attitude is the most important thing. With a sense of humility, uh, looking for two things. Number one, our attitude should be, how we come to God's Word should be, God, teach me about you. Every time we come to God's Word, that should be our prayer. God, teach me about you. I need to know you. The Bible is not a collection of helpful tips for your next decision. Now, the Bible gives us wisdom in making decisions. The Bible gives us principles that should guide our decision making. But its theme is not, read the Bible so you get tips for your next big decision. It's read the Bible so you know God. Read the Bible so you think like God. Read the Bible so that you have God's perspective. And then, yeah, you'll be better able to make decisions when you know God better, when you know His mind better, His perspective better. The the Bible is not simply a collection of inspirational, Instagrammable quotes, although we treat it that way sometimes. Now, there are wonderful quotes. There are wonderful inspirational lines in the Bible, but the Bible's not given to us just so we have something nice to put on social media or on the wall or on our bumper sticker or crochet. 
The reason we have the Bible is so that we can learn more about God, so that we know what He's like. And when we know what He's like, then we, we know what He wants for our life. Again, back to the section, this noon section of 119. In verse 108, the psalm writer writes, Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your ways. Your words are light and a lamp, and, and I want to learn about you. I want to learn about you. If we come to God's Word this year, and our main goal is, I want an answer to this, we may be disappointed. Versus humbly coming to God's Word because, God, I want to know you better this year. I want to think like you more than I did last year. So, God, teach me about you. Second attitude is, I'll obey what God says. The how, the attitude of coming to God's Word. I want to know about God. And then when I, when I learn more about God and I know what God wants for my life, my commitment is to obey. When I find the direction of God as I read God's Word, when I find what He wants out of my life, my commitment in coming to God's Word is I will do what God says. Again, back to the little section we're in in Psalms. In verse 106, he writes, I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Your words are light in a lamp, and here's my commitment. I have promised you, I promised myself, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to obey what your word teaches. Verse 112, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. So I, I have two hows, I have two attitudes. God, teach me about you. Secondly, God, when you tell me something, I'm going to obey. When I read what my life is supposed to be like, I'm going to do that. That's my commitment. Now, yes, there are random commandments to specific people in the Bible that don't apply to you, right? God commanded for Moses to hold his staff up and part the Red Sea. God's not commanding you to do that. But all throughout the Bible, there are general principles and commands for all of us. And our attitude in 2019 needs to be, God, teach me about you and what you tell me I'm going to obey. So what about the what? What about some practical, how do I get this started in my life? Where do I begin? And my general answer, before we talk specifics, my general answer to you is the best Bible study method absolute best Bible study method is the one you will actually do, whatever that is. The one you will actually do, you will actually stick with. Sometimes we hear about the way someone else studies the Bible or someone else reads the Bible, and we try to do what they do, and it's a terrible failure in our life, and we quit reading the Word of God for a long, long time. We, we don't process it through our stage of life. We don't process it through our personality. We don't process it through our learning styles. And so we, we just try to take what somebody else does and we try to repeat that and we get frustrated and we stop doing it. The, the best Bible study method, and there's tons of Bible study methods, the best one is the one you're going to keep doing. It's the beginning of another year. And for many of us, in January, when it comes to Bible study, our mind goes to, well, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year because we've heard people do that or we've seen plans. 
And so we immediately think, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. I'm going to get a plan together. I'm going to get an outline together. And I'm just going to follow that. And by this time next year, I will have read the whole Bible, which is a great plan. Most people are not successful on that plan, if I can just be honest with you. Most people are not successful. They're successful on January 1. And they're successful on January 2nd. And they're about half successful on January 3rd. And then by January 6th, they're three days behind. And then if they ever get to Leviticus, it's over. Right? That's, that's it. If they make it to Leviticus, which most of us don't, if they get to Leviticus, then it's over. So that's probably not a good method for you. For some of you, it is. For some of you, you need to challenge yourself. You've had a consistent time of studying God's Word, and, and maybe this is the year. Maybe you've already started. Maybe you are a day or two behind. All right, fine, catch up. That is exactly what you need to do. I'm just going to say to most of us, that's not what most of us need to do because you won't stick with it. It's too much reading at one time, especially if you don't already have this habit. So can we release ourselves from the pressure of my reading the Bible has to look like this or it doesn't count? There are no Bible reading plans actually in the Bible. Have you noticed that? Anybody, anybody notice? There's not like an actual Bible reading plan where Jesus said, you should read your Bible for this many minutes a day. It's, Jesus didn't say that. Paul never said, here is the 365-day Bible reading plan that you should follow. It, now, they all knew the Bible. Scripture was hidden in their heart. When they spoke, when they wrote, when they interacted, they recalled the words of Scripture. Scripture was hidden in their heart and in their mind. They were getting Scripture into their life. But there's not this plan that you and I have to follow. The best Bible study method that you're going to follow is whichever one you'll do and whichever one you'll stick with. And some of you are going to start down a path and it's not going to work. Fine, start another one. Restart. Restart as many times as you have to in this coming year to figure out what works for you. What time of day works for you? Is it a morning thing? Do it in the morning. Is it a lunch thing? Do you have time at lunch? Can you squeeze out 10 minutes at lunch? Do it at lunch. Is it an evening thing? Do it in the evening. There's pros and cons to all of those. There's pros and cons to all of those. But none of those are in the Bible. Find what will work for you. I, I do think it's best to have a consistent time. If at all possible, as best as you can, on most days, you're going to read. You're going to set aside time to read God's Word and talk to God, pray at, at a similar time of day. But you get to pick that. You get to choose what that is going to be. Now, if you're asking me where to start, my first suggestion is find a book of the Bible. One that I would suggest is the Gospel of Mark. It's in the New Testament, second book of the New Testament. It's 16 chapters. If you read a chapter a day, you've read the entire book of Mark in 16 days, about half a month. You've read the life of Jesus according to the gospel writer, Mark. One chapter a day, you pray at the end, and you're putting God's Word. If a chapter is too much, read 10 verses. Again, there's not a rule. There's not a rule. There's not a law. Get God's Word into your life is the rule. And so maybe it's 10 verses a day. You start with the book of Mark. 
And you get to the end of the book of Mark, and maybe you read one of the shorter books of Paul. Colossians is great. Philippians is great. Galatians, Ephesians, those, that little set of books, they're about four chapters, five chapters. You can read that whole book in less than a week, just a chapter at a time. Doesn't take a whole lot of time. Reading slowly, so you're processing. That's the other thing about the read through the Bible, is you're trying to cover the material, and it's not sinking into your mind. I'd rather you read 10 verses that sink into, that you think about then read a hundred verses and you just got from one to a hundred and you don't remember what you read. Colossians, Philippians, great place to start. Proverbs is a good place. It's a lot of practical wisdom, revealing the nature of God. But practically, how would we live that out in our finances and our relationships? Proverbs, great chapter a day, ten verses a day. Uh, One of the other gospels, John, perhaps, Luke, Matthew, one of the, it's the story of Jesus. I'm just going to read a chapter. I'm going to read 10 verses a day. I'm going to read until my mind starts to wander. I mean, if, if that's what you want to do, then do that. Ruth, if you like narrative, you like stories, Esther, Psalms is a great book to read, but it's 150 chapters, so you're going to be in it a long time. Maybe you just decide, I'm going to read 10 chapters of Psalms, and then I'm going to read another short book. So that you're grabbing from different places in Scripture, different authors. I'm going to spend some time. If you're on the YouVersion app, at the bottom, I just give you a suggestion. Look, start with Mark. When you get through that, however long it takes. I didn't say read a chapter a day. I didn't say read it in 10 days or go home and read it all today. However long it takes you to get Here's the next book I would suggest you go to. And then here's the next one. And it's a mix of Old and New Testament. It's a a mix of writing styles as a guide just for you to begin to put God's Word into your heart. That's, That's one approach. And it may work for you. And if it does, then you should do that. The YouVersion app that we talk about a lot, we put our outline on. The YouVersion app has tons of plans. One of the nice things about the YouVersion app is it keeps up with it for you. It knows the last thing you read and what the next thing is. If that helps you, the YouVersion app is a wonderful way either to read through a section of the Bible, read through a book of the Bible, read through the whole Bible. It'll tell you how many days in a row you've read God's Word. So so if you're into uh, keeping up with... um, Stretches of time, making sure you don't miss. If that's you, if that's your thing, YouVersion app's great for that. If you're the person who puts a whole lot of guilt on yourself when you miss one day, don't do that. Right? Just let it go. Pick up the next day. Find a way to read a length of reading that works for you. Secondly, use whatever resources help you. In addition to the Bible... What resources would help you stay consistent? For some of you, that's journaling. Not for everybody. But for some of you, getting your ideas at the end of those 10 verses or chapter or whatever you read, just jotting down. Here's the main thing that stood out to me. You don't have to journal 10 pages. You don't have to journal one page. You can journal a paragraph. If that helps you, then do that. Use the resources that help you. If YouVersion app helps you, then use the YouVersion app. If it helps you to get an audio version of the Bible and listen to God's Word, listen. 
There's no rule that says you have to read it with your eyes. You can't listen. That doesn't count. Who says it doesn't count? You're getting God's word into your mind and into your heart and into your life. Have a systematic way. This time of my day, I'm going to spend this amount of time in God's word in 2019. So that fast forward to the end of 2019, the beginning of the next decade, and you would have put put significant portions of God's word into your heart. Are you going to remember everything you read? Nope. That's where you're going to read again next year. You're going to keep reading in 2020 and keep reading in 2021. You're going to keep refreshing. You're going to keep spending time in God's word. There are, and what works well for some people, are devotionals. They take a, a portion of Scripture, and then an author has given some thoughts around that portion of Scripture. I've used devotionals before. I was in a Christian bookstore yesterday. It had a whole wall of nothing but devotionals. Devotionals for some people are very helpful, and they help connect current day to biblical times. They can be very helpful. My caution is only not all devotionals are created equally. Uh, Some devotionals give very little scripture and a lot of opinion by the author. And what we want is not somebody's opinion in our life. We want God's word in our life. So I would just caution you to make sure your devotional is taking you to the Bible. It's pointing you towards scripture. And, And I would know at least a little something about the author. Maybe ask some people who have used devotionals. uh, What has worked for you? What has been beneficial for your spiritual life? Is this somebody that that would be good to use as far as a devotional? Again, they can be very helpful. They can work for a lot of people. Just be choosy in the ones that you might use. 2019 stretches out in front of us. God's Word is a... Uh, a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It's always going to be that. The choice is, are we going to come to it? Are we going to let God's word light our path? Are we going to continue to inch along in the dark, trying to figure out life and make sense of life on our own? This is, a, this is God's gift to us. Like, this is God's way of saying, you don't have to figure everything out. I've given you a lot of direction. I've given you a lot of help. Don't ignore this. Let God's word be a light to your path in 2019. God, thank you that in addition to loving us and calling us and redeeming us and saving us through Jesus, that you also gave us an in-depth description of what you're like and what life lived for you looks like. You've given us an in-depth description of what wisdom looks like, what love looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what the very nature of God is. And so, God, if we've been ignoring that, if we haven't been coming to it consistently, let us restart in 2019, not carrying guilt from last year or the last two years or five years or ten years. Maybe we've never tried to read God's Word Not carrying the guilt of that, but making a fresh start to know you better through the light and lamp of your word. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.